Wow, that's a powerful piece of music by Marianne Faithful. The story of a housewife who loses her grasp of reality. Poor woman. That was from her 1979 album, Broken English. Okay now, the last of C.E. Eyre's stories for today is read by the man himself. It's called The Princess and the Dragon, and it's followed by a sequel to the old Peter, Paul and Mary song, Puff the Magic Dragon. The words for this sequel were written by C.E. Eyre and are sung here by our friend and colleague Pete Lutz, who lives far away in Corpus Christi, Texas, in the USA. The story sounds like it's a children's story, but there's actually a lot more to it. Listen up. The Princess and the Dragon So, as this dragon lives up a mountain, in a cave full of treasure and bones, like dragons do in all the best stories. And as a princess, beautiful, of course. She lives in the really impressive castle at the foot of the mountain. It's got turrets and towers and a moat and a drawbridge, and it sits on a hill. So it's higher up than the town, but not nearly as high as the mountain. Now the king, that's the beautiful princess's old dad, he's pretty cheesed off for the dragon. You see, it has a tendency, when it's a bit peckish, to nip down to the town and barbecue one of the king's loyal subjects. Okay, you probably know the script here. It's the usual stuff. The king offers the hand of a beautiful princess in marriage to whoever can, as he says, rid me of this meddlesome beast. This is where I come in. I amble into the castle for an audience with his royal highness. Hey, kingy, I say, is this deal with the dragon and the beautiful princess's hand still on? Now, his royal highness gives me a somewhat old-fashioned look, being hugely unimpressed by my appearance. Don't you have a sword and shield and things, he asks, maybe a lance and a big white horse? Nah, I say, that's not really my style. I'm a writer, not a fighter. Now, the old boy is not in a great mood, as just a couple of days ago, one of the most loyal of his law subjects was done medium rare and devoured in the town square. Oh, go on, he says, I don't care, rather you than another of my loyal subjects. So, I wander up the mountain, observing as I go the lack of good housekeeping on the dragon's part. The slopes are littered with bits of armour and maces and poignards, that sort of thing, all a bit singed and rusty looking. It seems that quite a few wannabe heroes have failed in this noble quest and ended up on the dragon's plate as breakfast or lunch, depending on the time of day they ventured up here. My tactics are a bit different. Hey, dragon, I say. What's cooking today? You, in a minute, it replies, <laughs> somewhat predictably, I feel. I call it it because I have to confess that I'm rather unsure exactly how one ascertains the gender of a large, scaly, fire-breathing monster. <laughs> well, that description suggests it might be female, don't you think? <laughs> 
Cool your jets, wee beastie, I say. Don't you think it's time to consider your situation here? He or she pauses and waits. So I explain. The law subjects are getting a bit thin the ground around here, I say. Those not already eaten are leaving in droves, surprisingly reluctant to be the next plat du jour. Those who haven't left are too poor and too scrawny to be much more an hors d'oeuvre for an enormous hungry creature like yourself. So uh, what do you suggest, asked my new chum, lips smacking in anticipation. So I point out that she, <laughs> we'll go with she, okay, has a pretty impressive set of wings, somewhat underused, just swooping downtown for the occasional nibble. Why not fly off someplace where there is more meat on the bone, so to speak? I suggest Florida, well known for its large and slow-moving inhabitants. Miss Dragon is quite taken by this idea and gives me a couple of gigantic diamonds from her hoard. She packs the rest into a couple of suitcases and slips into her travelling outfit. We have a couple more words and a wee hug and I go back to the castle. Kingy is delighted at the news and calls the beautiful princess to meet me. She is tall and slim, with lots of um, you know, bumps and curves in, in all the places that a lady should have bumps and curves. She has golden curls cascading poetically over her lovely shoulders. And she has the most beautiful, big, innocent eyes, the colour of the Scottish sky in springtime. In short, she's a babe. And she's smiling at me. Prepare a great feast, commands my prospective dad-in-law. The wedding will take place this weekend. Mmm, thanks, but no thanks, I say, signalling with a thumb to my friendly local dragon as she hovers overhead. Nah, I'm heading for the sunshine. Magic Dragon had slept for many years Since Jackie Paper went away Puffet cried a million tears He missed their great adventures And all the fun they had But little Jackie had grown up And now he was a dad Oh, Puff, the Magic Dragon Lived by the sea and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Puff, the magic dragon, lived by the sea and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Now Jackie's son was called Jack and he'd heard of Rascal Puff. One day he climbed the mountain with new games and fancy stuff. He looked inside the dark cave, and it was cold and gray. 
He shouted in his loudest voice, Oh, Puff, come out and play. Oh, Puff, the magic dragon lived by the sea. And frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Puff, the magic dragon lived by the sea. And frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Puff, the magic dragon, rose from the hard stone floor. He saw young Jack, and he was glad he had a friend once more. Puff, the magic dragon, let out a mighty roar. And with young Jack upon his back, through magic skies he'd soar. Oh, Puff, the magic dragon, lived by the sea. And frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Puff, the magic dragon, lived by the sea. And frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee.